Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Hello and welcome to another episode of Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my fellow family lawyer, Liza. Liza is also an ex-barrister, and for the purposes of today, uh, she's also a nationally accredited mediator. And true story, we're going to be talking about mediation today, Liza. That's right. All about mediation and what you need to know. And in particular, about preparing for your family law mediation. This is a podcast all to do with people who have typically separated and they're looking to try and sort things out for financial or parenting reasons. So, Liza, let's get started and... Perhaps you could just tell me what mediation is. Thanks, Alex. Well, mediation is basically a chance for parties to get together and try and sort out a whole range of issues that are in dispute between them, whether it be property issues or parenting issues. It could be child support issues. Um, There are a number of different things that that parties need to think about when they're separating. And so prior to or just after separation but before everything is finalised, one of the things that parties will do is go to what's called a mediation where it's just a chance for people to explain and um, their reasoning why they hold a particular position and give it a a chance for parties to make offers and try and come to some kind of resolution. So it's a settlement process but that doesn't necessarily have to involve the courts? No, that's right. Okay, so... If I've separated from my partner, do I have to mediate? Not really. Um, before the the court does have certain rules that um, that says that before you commence parenting proceedings, for example, you're meant to go off to a mediation and um, get a particular certificate from a family dispute resolution practitioner. Um, that's just a person that's been appointed by the Attorney General in respect of. Um, mediations and particularly family mediations who can issue those certificates to say that the parties have made a genuine attempt to settle these these proceedings. So you do, in certain circumstances, need to go to mediation first. Right, but that's in, in particular in parenting in cases. Parenting. And, and that's because the courts and the or parliament and all of its in, infinite wisdom have decided it's important for people to try and settle their disputes before they go to court. That's right. Courts it's, are last resort. That's right. Okay, so mediation, it's a process where we get together with our ex and a mediator, such as yourself, yep. will act, not ex- not as arbitrator, that's a different thing, we'll talk about that in a moment, but somebody who will uh, act as an umpire for the day and perhaps try and encourage people towards a settlement. Okay, so how would I know whether mediation would be right for me in my situation? What sort of things would I need to consider? Uh- That's a really good question because mediation isn't always going to be right for everyone and it isn't always going to be right for everyone at that particular time that it is proposed. So if, for example, you have just separated, sometimes it's too early because those emotions are running red hot. Um, You can't can't see um, the end result. You can't see where you're going to end up. And there are too many issues that are what your lawyers would normally say, oh, look, that's irrelevant, such as, you know, you might be really annoyed that your partner's had an affair. Well, in Australia, we've got that no-fault system. 
those issues may still be at the forefront of your mind and you may not be in a good good place to mediate. Yeah, so legally it doesn't really matter who's sort of transgressed or what the reason behind the breakup of the relationship is. But emotionally and personally it does. So it's still yep. driving the way in which you're making your decisions if you're angry with your ex or if you're feeling betrayed or cheated or guilty. That's right. So there's there's a, those very, what I call them, base elements before you make that decision to mediate. The other thing that you need to consider, though, is um, if there's going to be a, a, a power imbalance. So if, for example, there's been domestic violence in, in the house um, where parties just cannot communicate effectively. Um, now, it's not always going to be the case that that's, that that's just automatically rules you out of mediation. But in terms of... Um, I'm I'm speaking more about those matters whereby there's been allegations of coercive control and an emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. I find those ones are a lot more difficult to um, bring to a mediation. Those sorts of parties are a lot more difficult because mm-hmm. there is that power imbalance and or at least a perceived power imbalance between the two parties. And that risk of manipulation psychologically of somebody. But um, a way that you overcome that in mediation, and, and you'll have done this of course, is Many mediations these days, people don't even see each other on the day. No. And most family law mediations, we keep them in separate rooms. We call that a shuttle mediation. So that's where the the mediator will go between the, the two separate rooms. And so party A will be sitting with their lawyer in one room. Party B will be sitting in another room with their lawyer. And um, as well, there's always the internet, the Zoom video conferencing type mediations as well, which makes it even more accessible to parties and easier for people to mediate without having to be sitting in that same room. Yeah, and I've done plenty of those, particularly over the last um, couple of years of the pandemic and issues around having to work remotely. Uh, And they're surprisingly effective, those types of mediation. You're still seeing somebody face-to-face, the mediator, and the lawyers are still able to talk to one another privately. But it does encourage people to be able to put aside those coercive control issues, those domestic violence issues, and be able to focus upon just deal with the property or just deal with the parenting arrangements. So shuttle-type mediations, and that perhaps sort of assists where there is some domestic violence, but I suppose you should always take advice. And the mediator will make make a call on that, won't you, before you allow that to go ahead? Yes, because there's always an intake session that you have before you go off to mediation. And if um, the mediator will want to know whether it be through information provided by your lawyer or if there's no lawyers involved, it could be just directly between the parties and they'll have what's called an intake session where they'll find out as much information about these sorts of issues if there is any um, issues or allegations of violence. And like I, I personally believe that in terms of issues re- revolving around domestic violence that it shouldn't... Um, exclude that party from being able to just have a mediation. I find that a lot of people say, oh, no, we're the, there's been domestic violence and therefore we're going to bypass mediation. I don't think that's really fair to um, either party really to take that approach because when you have a lawyer that's representing you, they're going to be um, recognising those sorts of coercive control behaviours or any other type of controlling behaviours or manipulation and be able to... Pr- try to protect you from that and I believe that it's something that is really important for parties to try at the very least as we said before court is 
a matter of last is, is the place of last resort and it really is important that the parties give it all their all their best to try and actually have a go at seeing what they what arrangements they can come up with they yeah. may they may well, be able to and it's um, a tool, surprise isn't it? themselves it's a tool towards a settlement and if that means that you can finalize your relationship with this person there you have this unhappy relationship with sooner Sometimes, you know, a year or even two years sooner than if you allow the courts to fix it up for you. Oh, definitely. So even though there has been this this shadow of domestic or family violence in that relationship, by going through mediation, trust the mediator to make sure that you're in a safe place there. You can still get on with the mediation. You don't need to have anything to do with your ex-partner. You can get on with solving the problem still. That's right. So, okay, that's interesting. Um, we, we mentioned what I, I sort of blurted out the expression arbitration earlier or arbitrator. Can you just maybe just distinguish for anybody listening the difference between a mediation and an arbitration? Okay, so the way I like to describe it is a mediator is like a facilitator. They help facilitate discussions. They help the parties to try and resolve and bring about a resolution. The mediator isn't necessarily going to dictate a resolution. They're not going to come up with um, ideas or offers. They'll assist you in packaging those offers and making it sound um, attractive to the other party, but they're not necessarily going to come up with the solution for you. Whereas an arbitrator is almost like a judge. It's they will you'll present your evidence, you'll present your submissions. It may be as in a in a semi formal sort of arrangement where you have um, a particular room that's set aside and parties have to give evidence orally and you have lawyers there and the and the arbitrator simply acts as a judge and they'll decide whether or not rules of evidence are going to apply or not apply. And you can choose to go through the arbitration process, you can. can't you? Instead yeah. of saying, I'm going to roll my dice and hopefully the courts will get to me in about a year or two years' time, you can advance that process by both parties agreeing to an arbitration process instead. That's right. That's and then the, that, that's that can the then be made as an order, yeah. Okay, yeah. but a mediator is a person who... As you say, they're a facilitator. Mm. They're somebody that will help bring parties together, try and identify the issues that need to be resolved, try and get people to step away from their positions and think more about their interests, perhaps. Okay. Now, here's we touched on this slightly, but when would be a good time to commence mediation? And on the back of that, how would I start? Where would I know where to begin with that? Okay, so I would normally start... And I know that I've got a, an interest here for, to say this, but I would recommend that um, parties speak to a lawyer first because the lawyer is going to know um, when is the right time for their particular matter to go to a mediation. So it may be a property, it might be a property dispute. You may not have any of your evidence together. You may not have disclosure. You may not know what the other side has in terms of their um, their list of property, and you don't, you may not know values. So and it'll be far too soon then. If you don't yeah. know what all the money situation is, That's then right. there's no, you can't negotiate. And if it. you haven't, so if you haven't gone to your lawyer and found all that information out, um, they will. You, know, you could have organised this mediation. It can't go ahead really, or it's not going to be that fruitful, because a lot of the information that the mediator is going to want to know about in order to try and assist the parties. It's, it's not going to be there and it's just so that you're not ready. So it's a second reason. to so Sometimes it's best just to hold back a little bit, yep. not just because of the emotional um, challenge. After you've freshly separated, you can be in a very different, difficult emotional place. But you might not have all the information at your fingertips anyway. No. 
you could be having a fairly hollow negotiation, thinking you know, that somebody owns all of this property, whereas in fact it could be mortgaged up to the hilt, and you just didn't know that. And plenty of them don't. Plenty of people don't, yes. I mean, we, I mean that's just the fact of many relationships, that one person often does all the financial um, handling and the other person does all, oh, the, all the kid wrangling or... Yep. or well, that's that's work. my life. My <laughs> my husband t- takes care of all the finances. I he just tells me, you know, what what can I spend this week? Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty much the opposite. Know, I mean, my considerably better half is, is more organised than than I am. As far I'm as the I'm hopeless. I was only I was only saying to someone the other day. I said I I don't even use a credit. Like I don't have a credit card because you give me a credit card, I'll just spend it. So this is why we're lawyers and not accountants. That's exactly right. We can't <laughs> add up. We don't know how to budget. So but you know for I our leave listeners we, we can add up. We do, do oh, property yeah. settlements I've, I've all the time. We do we do but add up and we've got calculators and and spreadsheets and, and all spreadsheets of those, those fun stuff. But okay. All right. So I guess that sort of brings me on to my next question, which is what would be the steps I would take in order to get to a mediation? So you've highlighted there the need to get some disclosure going, and that's just a fancy legal word for saying, you know, you, you give you us show, your stuff. Yeah, show me what you've got, and I'll show you what I've got, mm. so to speak, financially. In a, speaking. in a, yeah, not in that other no, sense. No, they, they, they've been down that road. I was going to say they've already shown each out. other what yeah. what they've what they've got. Yep, they're no longer interested no, in that stuff. It's not. it's just about <laughs> so figuring out what we've each got. That means you know making sort of boring lists and making little schedules of. What are the assets? What are the liabilities? So what do we own? What do we owe? How much is everything worth? Swapping statements about from bank accounts or from superannuation. Sometimes if you can't agree what a house or a car or something's worth, you might have to get it valued. Um, but always try and be- try best to get things agreed in terms of value because otherwise you've got to pay a, va- pay a value and that's another expense you could do without. But those are, I suppose, some of the steps before mediation. Um, is there anything else that you would recommend people do before they... So if there was parenting, in a parenting mediation, for example, you mm. might want to make sure that um, you know that you have um, information about just practical uh, um, bits and pieces like, you know, what schools you're proposing to send the children to, where are you proposing to live, all that sort of stuff. So it's always yeah. an idea, I think, to have a bit of a, bit of a plan in your head um, before you get to the mediation. Um, as to what it is that you're wanting to seek because from that you might need more information. Yeah. So with parenting, for example, it's it's often um, it's a double-edged sword because you're sort of like, well, no, it's actually not a double-edged sword. It's a chicken and egg theory. You know, do you do the property part first or you do the parenting part first? Mm. Because sometimes a parenting matter, particularly if there's a dispute about where the kids will live or how much time they're going to spend with one party – if you don't know where the parties are going to be living, then it makes it very difficult to work out the parenting arrangements. So it might be that ideally in a perfect world you might be wanting a 50-50 type arrangement where it's week on with dad, um, week the other week with mum. and But if the parties aren't able to financially, for whatever reason, um, have those two residences that from, from the breakup of the property... If that's not going to work, then your, yeah. your parenting matters. So it's it's a bit tricky to try and work that out. So I always say to people, before you engage a mediator, before you go to a mediation, have an idea, be prepared to change those ideas and be flexible and, and, and be quizzed on those sorts of ideas. But think about all the little things that you're going to need for that idea to work. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't have the that information... isn't it? If you don't have that information at your, at your fingertips... 
um, then it can be a problem to you mediating at that time. Yeah, it's premature. If you don't know what you want and you don't know how you can get there, or maybe what you want is not <laughs> is not realistic, maybe that you've got no practical way of having that week about arrangement with the kids, maybe your job doesn't allow it mm-hmm. to happen, maybe you're a fly-in, fly-out worker, maybe... Uh, you're still sep- you're separated, but you're living under the same roof at this point in time. Yeah. That can, be, that can be problematic. Very challenging to try and move away from that to the new world of, of separate lives entirely. So you know, some of the steps before mediation with parenting can be particularly complex. They're having really a good understanding of what your children are about, what their lives in, look like, who, what mm. schools they have, their friendship groups, their activities... You know, who do they rely upon more? Be realistic. You know, if they if the kids are, you know, they gravitate towards one parent more than the other to do the day to day perfunctory things. That might be because that's always been the role, and changing that role suddenly could be difficult for the kids. So don't put your own, I you know your your rights as as a, I have a rights as parent. I often say to people, you don't really have responsibilities as a parent. The children have the right to have meaningful relationships mm. with mum and dad, but try and have that on the the back of your mind whenever you're putting together any kind of I want list for a Well, I always, I always like to say to people, <clears throat> which I've stolen from um, a, a local Gold Coast mediator who I um, have a lot of time and respect for, um, which is how many, how many times are the kids going to have to change beds in a week? So you find that, you know, you might have these um, parties who say, well, we're going to have three nights with mum then two nights with dad and then they'll come back again for another two nights with mum and then back for another, mm. you know. It's it, wearing on, on It, it does. People. It's like, well, you know, you know yourself. You go and yeah. stay in a hotel room. Um, you've been on holidays and the first thing you want to do when you, is like, when you get to the end of that, you know, chopping and changing beds is get home, get into your own bed, get into your own space. Yeah. Imagine that for a six-year-old kid who's got another 12 years of that to go of, you know, for the – of. That's a really, really good way of thinking about it. You know, how many how many times do they have to change beds in a week? So that's where it becomes, you know, trying to get the the parents to be child focused and and thinking about those sorts of things. Now you you've, you've alluded to a Gold Coast mediator there, and that's my next question for you is, how do you go about choosing the right mediator? Because there there are lots of different mm-hmm. practitioners out there. A lot of the the mediators that you and I engage tend to be lawyers. Yep. And we tend to know their professional background and their understanding, and that can be helpful. But not in all cases. Sometimes I've used non-lawyer mediators who are very much more, as you said, facilitative. Mm. They, they they try to create the environment of settlement. They're not too hung up upon the, the, the black letter side of the law for us. But how do you go about picking the right mediator for your case? So that's the answer to most of my questions is it depends, and it depends on the circumstances of the case. So... If you're needing someone who you know is who you want to hammer the the legal points, if you need if you need a party reality checked about having someone that's being so unrealistic, then you might want to find someone that you know is that has a reputation for that sort of thing. So some people have reputations of being you know, quite blunt, quite forthright, yeah, and other people might be a little bit more yep. softly uh, spoken, and they, they get to you by you know by kindness. And so a lot of the time, mediation, um, finding a, a decent mediator is usually word of mouth, right. I think. And I think it's... Talking to your lawyer is probably your best your, point because yeah. they'll be using them all the time. That's right. So if you've got a good... If your lawyer has a good relationship with that mediator, you'll under, they'll understand 
what that person is like because at the end of the day, the mediators are human as well. Um, most, they have m- most of them. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I've, I've found I haven't really had any bad experiences with um, too many bad experiences with, me- with mediators. But um, but as far as the um, you know, they're going to have experiences themselves. They're going to have their own viewpoints and they're going to have their own. Um, uh, log of what's happened in this case and what's happened in that case and this is how we've managed to overcome this issue. So um, with that, one of the things that we try and do is pick the right person for not just that's going to suit our client but also that is going to be effective yeah, in, in achieving what we need to achieve with the other side. So if we're trying to tone the other party down, well, we might want that a bit more of a hard-hitting um mediator if it's the case that you know we need to be softly softly because you know my my lady might have uh, slept with her boss or something like that then by all means and and so <laughs> I, there's, I, I that's feel a, there's a case behind this and there's, and there's an issue if there's an issue there well sometimes um we we're the ones that are in the doghouse so we might need to be softly softly so we want someone that isn't going to be too hard hitting for the other side we want them all to go into that airy fairy oh okay you know, these are the issues, even though that the lawyers are sitting there going, this is completely irrelevant, but as far as the parties are concerned, in, tom- yeah. in terms of a barrier to reaching a settlement, sometimes there needs to be that discussion and you need to have that person that's yeah. the right sort of personality to facilitate that discussion. I think mediation is very different, obviously, to the legal environment that we're trained in. As, as lawyers, we think about things in the yes, you cans, no, you can't. This is what the rules say. This is what the legislation says. This is what the cases say. These are the forms, these are the precedents, come on, let's get it all signed, we know how to draft it. And that really misses the point, this is a human experience. And some of those, you know, airy-fairy, I would say gently spoken or softly spoken mediators, can do is to give somebody who's feeling a little bit overwhelmed by that the confidence to be able to speak their part of the case. And given what you said as well, most mediations in family law contexts don't take place with everybody sitting around a table throwing things at each other. Um for a very good reason. But you're able then as a person, you can ventilate the things that are actually bothering you, why you haven't been able to settle things, what it is that's actually under your skin. It might not be about the value of the house. It might be about its emotional connection to you because of something, things that have happened there, whether it's a family home or something like that. Using those sorts of mediators, let people ventilate their emotions and sort of work through those a little bit too. That then gets them to the place of making... You know, the, the more um, the black letter, the legal decisions, the financial decisions are a little bit easier. Arban Legal is proud to sponsor Split Happens. You'll be in safe hands with Arban Legal. For all your family law needs, call us on 07 or visit our website at arbanlegal.com.au. So the mediator, the choice of that is superbly important and you know, I'm, I'm bound to say it, but I mean, talk to your lawyer or talk to a decent family lawyer who will be using mediators all of the time and they'll, they'll have a good idea as to who would be appropriate and give you a little, a few num- names and numbers to choose from and help organise it for you. So the benefits of mediation then, if we go take ourselves to that, as opposed to going to court. You can have, you have the power. Um, you have the power to actually control what orders, uh, or 
actually not necessarily what orders because the court will still want to approve it. But at the same, but what you can do is, for example, in a property case, um, say for example, you both want to, um, and this is something a slight of left field, but it may be not in your interests or either of your interests to sell up because there's not much equity in the property at the moment. Now, what you can do is say, well, okay, we want to bring an end to this relationship, but financially it's not a good idea for us to sell up and and, um, divide it all up at this stage. Why don't we sit on it? We enter into another joint venture agreement, if you're in that position, um, and have it more as a a little side side hustle where you both contribute to a mortgage and then over time and then you have a separate agreement later on in respect of the um the the way that the property is to be either sold or or whatever's going to happen to it so a very sort so of much more flexible approach you can, that you can take you can agree anything you yeah. like and i can you. tell you now court would never approve that sort of um it would have to be quite clear and you'd have to jump through a number of hoops before a court approved that as a as a property order. Yep. But what you can do is you can come up with these sorts of arrangements, having have a binding financial agreement put in place, um, mm. drafted by your lawyer. So that doesn't, um, that's a document that doesn't need court approval. That's you can right. just have a private arrangement so drafted. You, you can come up with a, a range of different things, um, provided that they're all legal, of course. Yep. Um, you know, you know, don't want to be committing to avoiding the tax man too much. <laughs> those sorts of things are still no, going to be set aside. Your, your lawyer shouldn't be drafting those kind of provisions anyway. No. They should be giving you advice around it. So, I mean, the flexibility is therefore one of the, a big benefit of mediation, but yep. the, the cost as well. I mean, yep. considering, you know, you, you're going through that separation process, it's emotionally traumatic. And then if you can't agree things with your ex, then you're staring at a very big court fees, legal fees, yeah. and two years of your life that you'll never never get back. Yep. And the, the, the decision at the end of the day is taken away from you. Yeah, you're disempowering so yourself. If you, when you get to the end, when you get to a, the end of a case, for example, a trial, you're either going to have a really, really cracker day and it's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. Um, um, if it's too wonderful, though, if you get everything that you want, usually there's a strong chance that the other side can appeal that decision. Mm. If you get absolutely nothing... Well, obviously, you're going to be devastated and then have to throw more money at it to try and appeal. Um, the very rare situation in a in a court case is that you're going to get somewhere in the middle that is um, the court is going to pick a side. They're going to pick whatever it is that they think is, is the right way to go um, to move forward. And um, you're just going to have to live with that. So the way that um, I always try and tell people that rather than going down that court path, is that you go through the mediation process. You're forcing the other party to the table to actually turn their mind to these issues. Let's resolve it. Let's resolve it on on your terms, um, on terms that are appropriate for, for you, that's going to work for you. And, and, you know, you may have to compromise. I would say a good mediation is when both party parties leave the, the room feeling slightly disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, you, because, you've, because you've both compromised. And that's the whole idea because... No, you're not going to get an, an agreement unless one party folds without a compromise by both parties. Yeah, if, if everybody walks away from a settlement, it's usually, sorry, unhappy, then it's usually a good deal because right. it means there's been concession on both sides and yep. so nobody's going to be feeling that buyer's remorse the next day. So it is normal, though, to feel after a mediation, particularly if you have settled, to feel that, oh, 
I should I'd, never I have. shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I've, he's my, got away with too much. My she's, bloody lawyer told me to do this, yeah. yada, yada. Yes, I know. It's, it's post-settlement blues, it, they call it's it. It's most likely going to be much better than what the alternative was going to be. Yeah. Now, you mentioned a moment ago about, in that process, about sort of forcing people to mediation. You, you can't force people to agree to something at mediation, but no. you can get a court order to compel somebody to take part, can't you? That's right. So if, if it's the case that... Um, that parties are just refusing outright to mediate for, for no good reason. Um, uh, you know, maybe it's an, a case that is appropriate for mediation, but yet one party's just not coming to the table, um, then the court can order a mediation. And these days, mediators are, you know, they're obligated to provide certificates of participation and things like that. Yeah. So the courts will know down the track, perhaps, that you know, one person has been you know, disregarding of that whole process and they've wanted to carry on litigating mm-hmm. and they're, they're they're not interested in settling. And the interesting thing with that is that there's sometimes cost consequences that flow to yeah. that person if they don't do too well yeah. um, and um, and they haven't really partaken in that whole experience that was recommended to them. Okay, so let's say that we've got our mediation uh, and we've chosen our mediator and we've, we've got a date booked and usually the costs of these things are sort of shared 50-50. Yep. Um, how long does it take in the, the mediation process? I mean, I, I, I turn up to a mediation tomorrow. I'm, I'm actually mm-hmm. in one tomorrow. But um, So what's your experience generally? How I, long I, like, I like a day. Yeah. Um, I know that you can do half-day ones. I just find that... They often it, spill into the afternoon. In they spill experience. into... The, they do. Because no one's really... Everyone's still trying to find their place, find their feet. They're trying to... They, they, they feel like they're holding back, um, thinking that... Oh, if I hold out the longest, mm. but it's not. That's not what it's about, and this that's where a good mediator will come in and just say, "Look, let's let's start talking about these things." And and a lot of the time, they'll cut to the chase and just want offers. I'm not a fan of that type of mediation because a lot of the time, parties need to understand why things are being um, held, like why things aren't settling. So yeah, so it's I, exploring about what people actually care about rather than the yeah. things that they say on their pieces of paper. That's right. So they, you know, the lawyers have drafted all your all your other documents and sends all your, send all your letters. So that's all the legal speak. Um, the stuff that isn't in the legal in the legal letters are things like, well, I don't really like the fact that you had that party that time and the kids were meant to be over at your place and um, and they told me that there was drugs and they were up till two o'clock in the morning. You know, I don't trust you ever any. You know, yeah, and, and I wasn't and, invited. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, they probably have been invited there. <laughs> anyway, um, but the the thing though is that um, in terms of having that sort of discussion and understanding that that's what they're doing um, can really make a huge difference in saying, well, okay, so that was a one-off. Well, why don't I incorporate into a parenting order that I will um, notify you of anything that is, you know, that um, people that are going to come over to my house or I or I, I will refrain from having parties involving drugs and alcohol, um, you know, when the when the kids are over, things like that. It can be something as simple as that. And it gets Every other good. weekend is the drugs and alcohol well, that's party. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> wrong example, I no. know that, but that's okay. No, I, I get that. No. So in the mediation, the st- you know, a, a day is probably the most typical. Half yeah. days some, sometimes can work, but it's usually not enough time. I don't think so. And, and yeah. One of the um, things I, I come across quite a bit is where there are some great resources with some institutional um, offerers of mediation, 
you know, Relationships Australia or the Family Relationship Centre and, and some free or very low-cost services, but they have very limited time mm. available. I think legal you aid you get Legal aid is two, two hours. hours, and, and so that's, that's barely couldn't. enough for people to start clearing their throat in no, some cases in terms I, I, of getting to the heart of the issue. Yeah. So a day is probably about the ideal time. Yeah. If, you, if you're going beyond that, then it's probably because it's highly complex. Yeah. Uh, and that may be the case. You may get part, you know, a partial mediation going through. You may agree some things and then to come back and carry on with the process. That's right. You can always it come back for, for more mediations. It's yeah. not like you have one shot at it and no, that's it. You, you can, can come back. You can you can agree to carry on mediating and, and you can obviously carry on, agree. Uh, uh, you can agree to sort of discuss beyond mediation as well. It doesn't have to be in that sort of shuttle process, but it's usually helpful to have that neutral third person. Okay, so... What about the day itself then? Am I able to bring a friend with me or a, a brother, a sister, a, a mother, a father, a support person? What, what's, the, what's the rule around that? You can, but it has to be cleared with the other party because everything right. that's said in there is confidential. So um, I would usually try to keep support people, unless it's really important, I would try and keep them away. So a vulnerable person might need a support person, but, yeah, but a, a, just a regular Regular guy, regular girl. Like even they, someone who's been the sub, like being a victim of domestic violence, I still wouldn't necessarily think that they need to always like have that support person then and there. If they've and got a lawyer with them, very often that's yeah, right. we're going to know There's, our clients very yeah, well at that point. Not, and, the and lawyer's not going person. to the lawyer's not going to let them let anyone get away with something that's over mm. the top. I've found in the past with um, support people that with they come with a lot of great intentions mm. and then they can run a lot of interference. And yep. that half-day mediation becomes a day or the day is still going on at 7 o'clock at night and then it gets called. I prefer to have them out. Yeah, yeah. That's my, that's my preference. So it's, <coughs> it maybe seems to be the answer to the support person. It's not ideal. Case by case. Case by case, but probably avoid it if you yep. can. Otherwise, you're just going to drag the process out. Yep. Okay. And lawyers would usually attend, but they don't have to. No, but it's an idea that they do. Yeah, I was talking to a mediator the other day actually and he's handling a, a matter for me at the moment and it looks very much as though the parties will self-represent and have lawyers on the end of the phone and he was kind of groaning at me and doesn't fancy it very much but mm. you know, he's going to work through that uh, uh, and he's an excellent mediator and I'm sure he'll be fine but um, certainly it's typically the pre preference of a mediator to have the solicitors or the lawyers there so that they can deliver advice there and then as to That's where right. they stand in the land of the law and also practically... They can get together um, and bash out the agreement there and then. They can draft that's, the document. That's what I was going to say because when you're, if you happen to reach an agreement, what I always do is, um, particularly, if you kind of know whether or not you're getting close. And so, if I'm stepping in the shoes of the lawyer for a party, I'll start whipping up an application for consent orders um, and also drafting the order because yep. you've got everyone there. They can get to the end of it and sign off on the document and all that needs to happen then is it gets filed and it gets electronically filed. So it could be filed that evening if you wanted it to. Yeah. Um, I, pr I usually prefer not to so that there's no suggestion of there being, oh, well, I was coerced, I was exhausted, yeah. all that sort of stuff. I was under duress. You know, there's a whole heap of – it's essentially just buyer's remorse, but they come up with some reason why. They, yeah. And, and it's, it is a bit of a – it's a risky move to do it on the same day. Although sometimes practical, if it's not an overly complex matter, no. if, if, the, if the disputes aren't really, um, 
it's more about working at the percentage point. There are no issues of do- yeah. domestic violence. There's nope. no history of any um, control over somebody I'll get them, else. I'll still get them to sign off on it. It just yep. means that I won't necessarily file it until... Give them the next I day. I just give them the next day. Yep. Because there is often... You know, I, I had one recently where um, the consent order... Well, I wasn't acting in it. Um, but they've now come to me because it's a mediation that had... They went to mediation entered into a or drafted a consent order, signed it, and then she said, oh, no, that wasn't really explained. I didn't really understand that. And so fortunately it hasn't been filed. So but had it been filed, there'd be she'd be stuck with it. Buyer's remorse yep. and writ large there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm coming along to mediation. Mm. What things should I be bringing with me? I, I, I know the Pack one... Lunch. That's the one thing I was going to say. Yeah. If there's one thing I... I see with these things, mediation, Always they can about they lunch push on, me. push on, push on through. And sometimes you, you're busy in the mornings, <laughs> you might skip breakfast, you might head out and then no. come, come around about lunchtime. If you're still boxing on, it can be, you, you start to lose your focus. So if you're yep. a party, you need to keep your energy up. So yep. have a light breakfast, but bring a, bring a sandwich bring, with you, bring, bring sandwich, some snacks some with you. Fruit, because whilst a lot of mediators will have those really good Mentos Lollies, <laughs> and but there's, they just don't really last all day. I'm told there's not a great deal of nutritional value in them, but yeah. Well, I think there's there's okay in the chocolate ones. There's, have you seen <laughs> the chocolate Mentos? They're actually. I, really I, good. I have the chocolate mint ones are particularly good. Yeah. So, um, so I have you know, apart from apart from the Mentos, um, because a lot of the time where the mediation is held, there may not be facilities. So. Or even, it, even worse, you're walking down into the same cafe coffee shop as the other person at the yeah. same time, and that's kind of toe curling. Well, we try and we try and say that the other party, like as the mediator, I would normally say, um, X it, is going off to lunch now, so we'll just wait for them to come back, and then you can go for lunch. Yeah, doesn't always work. No, nope. and, and you've got the crossing in the corridor, using the bathrooms and yep. things like that. So, yeah. yep. preparing for the day, bring a lunch with you, and or, or at least. Make, make some inquiries so that you know where you're going to go and stop and eat and get a coffee and just take a break. Having a break in the day is super important, making sure you're drinking enough liquid because otherwise you, you'll stop focusing. And and also, but bring all your, like, not necessarily, a lot of people leave it on all their documents and stuff are on, on their computer, but bring your laptop oh, totally. so, that you've got, so that you've got your access to accounts. Like there might be an issue about what your current super balance is or what the current share balance is or something yep. like that. Then you can sort it out. You can be two seconds. Okay. Uh, have you almost Here certainly there's going to be internet access uh, where right. where you're working through. So, so if you've got it on your phone, the, the apps on your phone, or you've got your laptop with you, you can access that information straight away and, and answer what would otherwise be a question that could bog everybody down for an hour. Now, um, oh, the other thing too, I would probably suggest is make arrangements if you've got kids. Make mm. arrangements for the kids. Assume that you're not going to be finished by four o'clock to pick them up from school. Make sure that there is some other option because you don't want to be saying, oh, no, I've got to go because I've got to pick up the kids. And we're so close to finishing, that's so an, close to settling an it. An excellent point. I was still thinking about the sandwiches and forgot all about the children. But that's, uh, yeah. children is probably slightly more important yeah. in this context. Well, <laughs> uh, as, you, as you listen to more um, of these podcasts, you'll realise just how important lunch is for lawyers. Lunch is a very important part yep. of the, the working hmm. day. Yep. Okay, so mediation, does it work? I think it does. So... Overall, your experience with mediations, I'm, I'm not going to ask you for a percentage figure. Oh, okay, I am. Roughly how many, what's the percentage of mediations that end up in a settlement that you that you participate in, either as a lawyer um, or as a mediator? I'd probably say about 70 to 80%. Yeah, I have the same kind of experience. It's, it's, more, it's than, more than more than half. More than half. It's not, not all of them. Yeah. Because there's sometimes some, 
insoluble issues, whether it's to do with uh, sometimes it's those preliminary stuff that should have been done, disclosure right. or valuations, or there's an issue with one of the children that you didn't know about or understand. One thing to be clear, though, is I, I take as a win, you may not necessarily have resolved all of the issues, but if you have been able to narrow some of those issues, so say, for example, um, you haven't agreed on the um, percentage split of the overall property, but you have agreed that the property is going to need to be sold. Yep. You're going to need to do this. You need to. You're going to retain this. You're going to retain that, etc., etc., etc. You can agree a, me- a mechanism for how the next steps are going to what take place. What you have just yeah. done is you have saved yourself probably one to two days of a trial yeah. of having to go through all that. Because if you just get to a, if you just only have to work out the contributions, then the court only has to decide that slight issue and say, look, this is what we've agreed on. This, yep. this is all all okay. We just have these last little few things to sort out. It can be a discrete issue and also because it's such a small issue, um, maybe contributions isn't a small issue, but there'll be other issues that sometimes are in fact mm. small issues, you can get bumped up in the court system as well because the yeah. court will, might have half a day to hear that that, just so we that can get decision. this one off the list and move it on and it's good for you. That's and exactly right. Because you can resolve so many things at mediation, if you, yep. even if you can't resolve everything. You might be able to resolve the parenting, not the property, or yeah. vice Oh, that happens a lot, doesn't it? it does. When, when yep. one side of the case gets fixed up and the other side is just too difficult yep. or we're still waiting for a family report yep. or something's going on yep. with property. You might get some interim interim orders, though, out of it, yeah, which then – and then you're sitting there using – you know, time is passing, ticking by in the court list and – you know, you're going months down the track, these interim orders, and they seem to be working. It's like, oh, hang on a minute, guys. <laughs> Let's just make these final. These, are, these aren't too bad. It seems to work. The they world work. hasn't ended. <laughs> the kids are still alive. Now, so that's you know, our experience is pretty similar with the effectiveness mm. of mediation. It's usually a good idea. Yep. Uh, and we've talked about what can happen afterwards there as well. Um, we did touch on briefly that usually the cost of the mediation is shared equally. Yep. So if, if you're going to mediation you'll be paying for your lawyer, the other person will be paying for their lawyer. Mm. But the mediator and the mediation rooms and the facilities, those are the shared cost. Yep. I mean, just try and give our uh, any anybody listening, I'm optimistic yep. thinking there are listeners, okay. um, some idea as to how much these things actually okay. cost. So I would say that the, the what I would call the decent mediators, I'm going to get criticism, don't care, it's fine. It's my opinion on what a decent mediator would cost mm-hmm. um, and they're usually sitting around the $4,000 a day um, mark plus GST and above. I, so yeah, I, I, there are some excellent mediators that I use regularly who charge a little bit less than that yep. um, and also some possibly sub-excellent mediators who charge twice as much as that. Yeah, um, You're paying sometimes for people's CVs and egos rather than their yeah. skill in being able to get parties to a resolution. But the range, is, it's several thousand dollars a day That's right. for the mediator's cost. So I would, I would it's, it's anywhere between, say, two grand to six or seven grand plus GST for the mediator and usually a few hundred bucks um, for the room for hire the room and things, like that. And things yeah. like that. That's so the small thing. So that's, that's, that's on average, I would have thought. is, um, And so that's why I say that you'll get, you'll, often get a, a, semi, a fairly decent one for around the 4,000 mark. I, look, I, I agree. Uh, there are some excellent mediators out there, w- whether they are solicitor mediators, barrister mediators, or indeed non-legal practice mm. mediators from time to time. Okay, so that's what we're talking about with mediation. The one thing that we didn't touch on, and just briefly in closing, is that the whole process is confidential. 
Yes, it is. But except, <sighs> well, except I did. I, I did a. Um, oh, it's not a thesis. It's a research project or something rather on this, and I called it "Unsee This" in respect of confidentiality and mediations. Yeah, and that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, because it's very difficult to unknow something. So it's meant to be confidential. And it is confidential. Yes, you can't use that information. You can't directly use it, can you? No, but you see, once you know that something has happened, it's really difficult to not know and then you'll find another way to try and get that information out legally. Yeah. So what you can't do and what it's very – what it's well, things that you can sort of get away with and we've got a case once where um, I think Dad, Dad disclosed his intention to relocate um, in the mediation – and the other party wasn't wasn't very happy with it, and they've tried to use that information. Well, sorry, sorry, Dad, um, sorry, Mum, you can't actually use that information, and that's all. You know, good luck trying to get that information in as evidence because you can't use it. But if you say, for example, oh well, um, I've I've bought, a, you know, it might be a property case. I've bought this boat and I really need to pay that off and this is why I'm doing this and it's, you know, all these expenses and you and, and you might go, well, okay, right, I can subpoena those records and try and get that information now. You're not necessarily using the fact that he's got the boat that he's not disclosing, but you can get those financial records to show um, through legitimate ways, such as subpoenas, that he, what he's purchased and, you know, he's like, oh, um, Gold Coast Marine, $40,000. So, so, so you can, in fact, technically speaking, still have legitimate ways of using that information. So mediation, it's confidential except for when it's not. Or except <laughs> for when your lawyer can think of a good way around those well, confidential. pretty much. So, so when that, that, that's probably one of the downsides um, that I always, as the lawyer for, for, the, for my part, for the client, I would always say to them, okay, just remember that it's all good to lay it all out on the table, but just remember that they can't unknow something. They can't unsee. The unsee it. Yeah. They can't, they can't, um, they will most likely try and use that information against you if you're not careful. Yeah. So work that, work these things through with your lawyer when you're going through yeah. your family law mediation. Yep. And look, I hope that podcast has been of some help or interest to somebody. If you've got any questions, just flick us a note. And uh, thank you very much indeed for listening to Split Happens, Divorce Down Under with Liza and Alex. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good platforms. Thank you.